right. Welcome to a new series that we're going to be focusing on here, which is a Bitcoin VC series where we're going to have some people that are investing in the space and exclusively focused on the Bitcoin startup funding ecosystem. Their backgrounds may vary, right? Maybe they came from a traditional finance background and hear about what they're working on and how you can learn more about them and get started. If you're a founder, okay, these are the people you want to bother. Okay, you want to slip into their DMs with your with your pitch decks and your portfolio, your stuff that you've built, or maybe get a warm intro from somebody, which is always better. So this is the first one here. This is Alexander Mann. Alexander Mann is with Time Chain, and Time Chain is a division of Concentric, which is a much larger, broader VC. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about why a much larger, broader, generalized VC would want to get into Bitcoin and maybe chat about some portfolio investments that they've made so far, some of which we actually share. Lightning Ventures is lucky enough to have invested in some of the same companies as Alexander Mann and, and Time Chain. So we could compare on some of that stuff too. So first off, welcome, Alexander. And how are you today? Where are you today? Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm calling in from Cambridge in England. Uh, Time Chain is based mostly out of London, although we operate on a global basis. If you couldn't tell from his accent being across the pond. All right. So first off, let's have a look here at uh, this man's LinkedIn partner at Time Chain and Concentric. So you can bug him there. Everyone's favorite spam filled website. That would be LinkedIn. All right. Here is Alexander's Twitter. That's at Alex underscore Singh, S-I-N-G-H underscore man, M-A-N-N. -N. Venture capital for Bitcoin infrastructure projects. That's what it says there. So first off, when did time chain start and when, when did they make the decision to, to move into this space? Yeah, sure. So Touchdown started about a year ago. I've been with Concentric for about six, six, seven years from about when the time it was set up, actually. So, you know, we've been tracking the space for a little while. I probably got obsessed with Bitcoin around the 2017 time. But at that time, it wasn't immediately clear to me or to us where we could deploy uh, meaningful sums of capital into the space. And honestly, I think initially we were tracking the broader crypto ecosystem. But around 2018, 2019, it became it became sort of more apparent to us that Bitcoin is where the value was going to accrue over the medium to long term, because obviously it was possible to make money in crypto over the short term. And so we kind of came to the sort of conclusion as well that we thought the vast majority of the venture capital ecosystem would come to the same understanding that we did, which was that you know, value was going to accrue to Bitcoin. Obviously, they didn't. And from you know, 2018 to, to the present day, a huge amount of capital flew into the crypto ecosystem rather than the Bitcoin ecosystem. And last year, we decided to try and do something about that. And we set up time chain in response to try and encourage capital deployment into Bitcoin, specifically in Europe and emerging markets, where if you're a founder trying to build something on Bitcoin only, it's probably still quite hard to attract funds that are willing to deploy or able to deploy capital into, into those markets and into those projects. So that's really where Time Chain focuses. It's venture capital for Bitcoin infrastructure projects specifically or, or particularly, shall we say, 
in Europe and emerging markets. Are you lonely? Is there something missing in your life? Do you like to party? Well, listen up. It's time to spice up your life and start investing in Bitcoin companies. Lightning Ventures makes angel investing in Bitcoin startups fun and easy. Are you curious about the Bitcoin VC world? Care to join the anti-fiat Bitcoin venture capital universe? If yes, don't be shy. Fill out the application at ltng.ventures for a quick and custom onboarding. It's Bitcoin only, of course, because there is no second best. <laughs> so join the motley crew of hackers, stackers, node runners, and meme masters. Whether you're a pleb or a whale, all are welcome. So groove with us. Be a part of it. Visit ltng.ventures to apply. We're going to make it. Are you? So first off, let's take uh, let's take a look at some concentric portfolio companies here. That's concentric.vc. Now, before I was 100% focused on on the Bitcoin ecosystem and funding, I invested psychotically into many angel investments. So, just having a look through this portfolio here for some familiar names. I mean, Pipe is absolutely a monster. At least they were. I'm not sure how they're doing now, but Pipe went from zero to the moon. That is a that's a very very big one there. I believe Public is doing very well. So they've listed some of the Bitcoin investments on here too. We're gonna pull up the time chain page. There he is, handsome devil. Okay. So what we have here is, is we have an AI interface for Bitcoin, Satoshi. That's Alex Svetsky's new company. That's one portfolio company that's listed. Maybe that's the most recent investment, why it's up there at the top. I'm not sure. We have Vita, which is an, a company that we've invested in together. We invested twice in Lyle Pratt and Vita. So that's really cool to see. BVNK.com. I'm actually not familiar with that. Relay is a great company that we we share as co-investors together. Alexander, oops, what happened there? Alexander and ourself. Julian is absolutely killing it in Europe. Sinoda, the energy startup, that is really cool with Lightning Network stuff and what they're doing with, <clears throat> with power meters and other things. Super accomplished team, killer background in energy forever. Debify, Max. Max in Europe putting on the Baltic Honey Badger, which I think you're going to. I'm going to touch on conferences in a minute. Uh, but Debify, Hoddle Hoddle, Max is an absolute winner. So that is really cool that you invested in that. Noah, they're over there near you, right? That's Shaw, I believe. That's right. Fetty, everyone knows, of course. Everyone loves Obi. Charismatic, awesome guy. Galloy, that's amazing. I'm not sure which round you invested in there, but very cool. We got Bolt Observer. He's a really cool guy. He gave me a flask. It actually says Bolt Observer on it. And then Unmapped, I believe they're in the mining space. So this is a pretty impressive portfolio here for just a short time. When did you start, when did you start cutting checks? When did you make your first investment? I forget exactly, but it was around 10 to 12 months ago. 10 to 12 months ago. Yeah, so we've done, we've done, I think, 13 investments over that period. And I think we'll look to do another six to seven, maybe even by the end of the year. So, you know, we're aggressively looking for new Bitcoin companies to support. 
I think it's a great time to be investing in uh, Bitcoin infrastructure specifically during this sort of bear market as we build, you know, it's when the most interesting stuff gets built. And then I think, you know, people and things and projects will probably start to get a little bit carried away after that period. And so maybe we'll look to slow down the pace of pace of deployment after that. But certainly for the foreseeable future, we're very actively and aggressively looking for interesting projects to, to back and support. So let's talk about some nerdy stuff. I don't know if anyone's going to care about this, but some some will, and those who will will care a lot. So you're with you're with Concentric, and they decided that they wanted to get into the Bitcoin only space in a big way. Now, what did they do? Did they go out and raise a specific sort of fund that they called Time Chain? Did they raise sort of a Bitcoin fund one? How did how did that capital come versus what they raised before? Have how many funds has Concentric deployed out of previously before Time Chain, and then did they raise specifically just for this purpose? Yeah, so Concentric has three vehicles that we deploy capital in, deploy capital out of Concentric One, Concentric Two, and then we have a fund of funds. So Concentric One and Concentric Two can be thought of as just generalist software funds, so we're able to invest pretty much anywhere in the world, but mostly across Europe in, in software companies, but in more traditional industries. So you know, financial services, logistics, prop tech, that sort of stuff. So you're more sort of vanilla venture capital. And then we have a fund of funds and the fund of funds takes positions in funds that are thought to be complementary to Concentric 1 and Concentric 2. And it was actually through that fund of funds, we made our first deployment into uh, Bitcoin, in, into sort of coin adjacent funds. So we took an LP position in 1031. And then we launched 10, then we launched time chain, sorry, last year. And what we did is we, we, we took money out of concentric two, and we used that to anchor the first time chain fund, as we built out this strategy. And then we brought in sort of existing LPs to, to top that fund up. And so that's kind of how it works, if, if that makes sense. And I can provide the rationale as to why we you know, thought to launch a Bitcoin strategy, if you like, or have to take it as you see fit, really. So when you pull funds from Concentric Fund 2, those LPs didn't sign on for a Bitcoin-focused fund. So does that require sort of consent and approval from all of those LPs to say, yeah, do what you want, like they're okay with that? Or do you just have the ability based on your thesis and docs to be able to just make that decision without the LP kind of agreeing to it? Yeah, we have the ability. I mean, we invest at the frontier of financial services tech and in part, that's what we consider Bitcoin to be the sort of next evolution in financial services tech. Obviously it's a lot bigger than that. If you believe the broader Bitcoin thesis, which, which of course we do, but in part, that's what, that's what Bitcoin is. And so, you know, how can you be investing in sort of the next gen of payments companies and ignoring the Lightning Network, for example? And then it became a question of, well, how do we try and support this ecosystem in a, in a comprehensive way? And how do we find the deals that we want to find? And so it made sense to develop a separate brand for that. And that's what Time Chain is. It's a separate brand to support and encourage the development of the Bitcoin ecosystem specifically. So it just kind of made sense for for LPs and for Concentric as a, as a broader entity. So, okay. So last question on this, when you seeded, when you seeded time chain with that fund two, did you go out then and raise additional capital 
to supplement that or did you start it all with with just that just that pull from the fund too did you raise additional capital on top of that yeah we did as we started building out the strategy there was a, there was a number of things we had to prove right one that we could you know find a really interesting universe of bitcoin deals and we we had to prove that because you know you got to remember to the vast majority of people lps in particular people who invest in venture funds bitcoin is still a niche part of the uh, tech ecosystem it's still a small asset class there's still a relatively small number of people building on top of it and there is a very small number of successful case studies for us to point to to say you know this is an eligible unit universe for investment so we had to go we had to go out and prove that there was a you know, substantial number of interesting bitcoin companies that was point one and then point two we had to prove that we could build a portfolio of companies that also made sense so that's when lots of other things are taken into account like you know, how much can you realistically invest are they delivering traction is there reason to believe that these companies will achieve some returns some you know substantial returns for the fund over over the lifetime of the fund it's those sorts of sort of softer factors that we had to prove out to lps as well and once we've done that then we went out to our investor base and said look we think this is a a really interesting and exciting product for you guys to come into and they agreed and then we we sort of raised a bit of extra capital into it but i mean just to just to go back to the core thesis the core thesis here for lps coming into the space is that if you're an lp and you're thinking of allocated to venture capital well the point of venture capital is to look for asymmetric returns and Bitcoin fits the bill as the greatest asymmetric return you could possibly find because Bitcoin is the purest form of money. Money is the largest market on the planet and the entire venture capital ecosystem is distracted by crypto. So if you're a you know a shrewd investor, then this is the sort of thing that you're supposed to be looking for. And that's kind of how we presented it. All right. That was really well said. And it's cool that you are not distracted by crypto and you went straight away here so since you have a traditional vc background and formal training and you're a very polished individual unlike our raucous amateurism over here at lightning ventures just so people kind of have a little bit of of a peek behind the curtain and whatever you can share both for founders who sometimes get emotional and maybe take it take offense and get upset when a VC doesn't invest, which they should not do because it's a long road ahead and these things can can take time to develop. But when you, since you have other partners and you have maybe an investment committee or a board, board of directors or a process that you go through when you're doing your due diligence, right? I think it's called a DDQ, which is a due diligence questionnaire sometimes that you might furnish a founder with for particular numbers, KPIs, whatever you're looking for, okay? When you decide that you like a company and you want to bring it bring it to your partners or a committee or whatever, are there some basic kind of rules or that process that you can share? I mean, with, you know, does it need two out of three? I know Sequoia and a lot of these other companies famously, you know, nine people all have to say yes to an investment when, when they when they get in. It's like a founder's fund. You know, everyone has to say yes. And it's kind of hard to get nine people to say yes, which is probably why they don't invest that much. So what does your process look like there? And how does that balance of power work? And, you know, I, I, I'm kind of a kind of a one man show over here. So, you know, working with others is something that is, is interesting. 
because what happens if you don't don't agree you know is that does nobody take it personally and no deal is worth getting upset over what can you share about some of that stuff yeah, sure. So it works slightly differently for Concentric as it does for Time Chain. Let's just take Time Chain because that's what people are most interested in on, on this call. On the Time Chain side, uh, usually I'll you know take the first call or first meeting with, with any given company. Um, we look to build a relationship with that founder and the founding team, ideally over a bit of a bit of time. So we already have you know strong views and strong thesis on Bitcoin as an asset class, Bitcoin as a monetary protocol, and we'll have an idea as to you know which parts or which sectors within bitcoin we find more interesting than not and so we'll you know we'll just look to build that relationship over a bit of time you know it can be a couple of weeks it can be as much it could be as long as a year you know however long it takes to get confidence in the vision the founding team the ability to execute after that stage after a bit of going back and forth maybe there'll be some sort of um, some other partner calls so might the other two partners in concentric and time chain are called chart and dennis they sit in the investment committee. The investment committee, there's three people, myself, Charlton, and Dennis. The way it works is for an investment to happen, you need to have one strong yes. And as long as there's no sort of veto from any of the others, then that's enough to get through. So if there's one strong yes, then, then, then that's and that's typically enough. We don't operate on a consensus basis because, you know, if I'm in, if, if Time Chain wants to invest in relatively obscure part of the lightning network or nostra protocol or something it's probably unreasonable to expect everybody to have the same level of education on that space but what everybody does share is that ability to understand how to commercialize a business we're really sort of commercial investors and so that's i guess where we're useful to companies is that we've made at least 45 transactions we've built companies ourselves we know what it takes to take a company from, let's say, C to Series A, Series A to Series B. And no matter what sector any given company is, they tend to have the same set of commercial problems. It can be, you know, what metrics should I be tracking? Should I be deploying money into sales or marketing? Should I be looking to execute a partnership strategy? Where are the gaps in my senior management team? How do I make my growth channels more performant? How do I build an equity story that's going to be compelling to the next investor? to take me to the next level. And that's where we're sort of, where we're good and they're the sorts of questions that we'll want to get comfort on before we execute an investment in any given company. And the, the, other, the other thing that I think is worth bearing in mind is that not all companies are suitable for venture capital investment. And a VC, when they're looking to make an investment, they will you know, typically to make a venture capital, the economics of a, of a venture capital fund work we need to be getting confidence that this investment can return the fund alone. And we can go into more depth on that, but, but usually that is one of the limiting factors. So when we're looking to size an investment, so let's say we're looking to invest half a million dollars, we need to get confidence, like extreme confidence in the exit potential for this business to make the economics of our business, which is venture capital fund work. And not all companies fit that mold. And so, I think you mentioned it already, you know, founders shouldn't take it personally. It doesn't mean that the business is not a good business. It just means it's not suitable for the sort of aggressive funding model of a venture capital fund. Yeah, and it could be one day. It could be one day as they pivot and mature, those things can change. So you said something here, a quick little fun vocab, return the fund, RTF. 
WTF. Return the fund, for those who don't know, is an investment in a venture fund, one of their investments that returns the entire fund. So if a fund invested a total of $10 million into 40 companies, okay, one of those exits, just one of those wins will return the entire $10 million. That is what that term means. And that's what a lot of VCs are in it for, right? You can think of venture capital as baseball. You can be three for 10 and still in the hall of fame. Okay. That is an interesting way to look at it. So as far as what you're investing in and what you're not investing in and the thesis for the fund, a lot of this is limited, right? We just invest in, let's just say, pre-seed to series A companies. Some companies will limit it geographically, which Bitcoin, of course, is not limited geographically. So I'm really curious if there's anything that you don't invest in. You know, some VCs, they don't invest in gaming, no matter what the team is. They're just, they don't do gaming. You know, I mean, we don't do movies. Sorry. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they pitch you with their movies. So what don't you invest in if there's anything? Or if it's not nothing, what, what are you least kind of interested in? And then do you have limitations with stage, geography, and other things? Yeah, so we will happily invest anywhere in the world. You know, well, happily is probably a little bit strong, but we're, we're able to invest anywhere in the world. Obviously, there's certain countries where it becomes a little bit more difficult or macro circumstances make it harder. And we typically invest pre-seed to Series A. Pre-seed is a little bit less common for us. We're more comfortable coming in at seed and Series A. What we're looking for is early signs of product market fits which is one of these BC terms that I don't know if everybody's going to be familiar with, but we're just looking to get some comfort that the product has begun to be accepted by the market. Obviously in Bitcoin, that could be quite challenging because the whole sector is, in general is still quite nascent. And, and so that's a little bit harder to gauge, but we need to have some reasonable expectation that a lot of the product work has been done and you know at least an MVP is in the market and people, customers are, are close to being able to pay for it. So that's where we typically come in, and that's usually around the seed or Series A stage. I don't know if your listeners will be familiar with that sort of typical venture capital funding journey, or that's that's worth us expanding on, Mike. Okay, that's great. So for follow-on funding, for investing again in the same company, how do you how do you view that? Some funds, you know, they'll say hold back if if they raise ten million dollars, they'll hold back a certain percentage of it, maybe twenty to. 40% of that to participate again in future rounds of funding as the leaders in their portfolio kind of start to emerge. And then some funds say we don't do follow-on rounds, period. And that's just how they do it because if anyone's curious, on a cash-on-cash cash return basis, that first investment is always going to provide the highest returns. You're, you're never going to be able to achieve that later on. So how do you view follow-on funding and have you made any in this short early stage of, of time change? Yeah, so we always try to follow on. We'll at least do our pro rata in subsequent funding rounds, but it's unlikely that we'll lead them. The problem you get when you lead rounds is that you can be accused of marking your own homework 
because if you come in and set evaluation and then you lead another funding round at a much higher valuation, then you've sort of marked up your initial position artificially, you could argue. So we always look for a new lead to come in. And it's also an important exercise for the company to go through to show that they can make this company attractive to a wider range of investors other than the ones that sort of just believed in it initially. It's just an important evolution for a company to go through. In, incidentally, I think that's what Bitcoin companies need to start doing is moving beyond this narrow universe of existing Bitcoin venture funds that sort of fund these companies. So a lot of companies now are getting to the stage where we actually need to start attracting dollars from generalist venture capital funds who are understanding the value proposition of Bitcoin. So I think that's a big challenge for the next six to 12 months and something just to keep an eye on. But going back to us, we will always do our pro rata and sometimes above in in, in, in companies just to be supportive and to convey confidence to incoming investors that the existing investors still believe in this company. So yes, we will, we will always do that. And if we've followed on so far, yes, in Feddy, when they raised their subsequent round, we did a check as part of the follow-on into that. And we'll continue to do that. There's sort of three or four companies in the portfolio who I'm quite hopeful will, will do a funding round in the next uh, three to six months and we'll certainly follow on in those companies too. All right, let's do a lightning round of some fun questions here. Okay, <clears throat> first off, have you, through Time Chain, have you guys led around yet? Yes, we have, yes. I have to think, but yes. So do you currently sit on any boards for any Bitcoin companies? If not, do you still have some board positions or board observing seats through your previous role at Concentric? Yes to both. I don't think, just to elaborate on this, and that's supposed to be a lightning round, but just to elaborate on this a little bit. For early stage companies, a board is not always beneficial. So a lot of these companies, we may lead the round or play a meaningful role, but what's more important for us is just to have a positive, healthy relationship with the founder and for them to feel that they can share information with us, especially at the nascent stage of their development. So we want to hear about the, the bad stuff as well as the good stuff and help them fix those problems as and when they come up. And we're always available to do that. A uh, board is not always the best forum for that to happen because it can be quite inflexible. It might impose artificial deadlines on the company that's just not useful. They may need to react quicker. And so really, I'll just try and have a dialogue with these founders every single day. Some companies, though, the ones that are a bit more developed, more professional, more in a more sort of mature phase of the development, like Relay, I have a board observer seat on and they have a more formal structure and that, that works for them. So it's, it's dependent. Okay. I'm not sure if you can get into it and it's fine if you can't, but at some of these early stages with time chain and this first fund that you're deploying out of, is there a range of a typical check size? And I know that can be a very big range, right? But maybe as small as possible. And just, is there any kind of window into what that would be? And if a company say is not raising a formal round, but maybe they only are raising 250,000 to kind of hit their next milestone, is that a turnoff for you? You know, there's a lot of founders out there that think that going to a VC and saying, you know what, I don't really need the money, but we want to get to our first 5,000 users, 10,000 users. We want to get here. And honestly, 250K gets us there. There's a lot of founders who think that they need to come out with that big seven-figure round or else people like you 
will not be interested. Okay. They seem to think, oh, well, if I go and I tell them, you know, I don't really need the money and maybe it's a lower valuation and a lower cap at raising 250 versus coming out with a million dollars. They think that it's not beneficial. Can you, can you chat about some of that stuff? Yeah, I think that's what you get into the nuances of the venture capital industry. And I appreciate that it, it can be a very fickle industry at times as well. And optics counts for a lot. I would just say in our case, we evaluate things on a case by case basis and we don't have any hard and fast rules. I think what we're looking to do is put together funding rounds that make the most sense for the company, but bearing in mind our constraints as well. So we do need to be able to deploy a reasonable sum of money for it to make sense for us. But it also depends on, you know, the potential growth trajectory of the business. So my question for a company coming in with a 250k ask would be, is that really enough money for you to go out and deliver something interesting? And interesting means interesting in the context of a venture capital fund where we're looking for, you know, $100 million companies to be built at the end of the day. Can you really do that with 250k? Not that you need to be able to deliver a hundred million company with just 250k, but does that 250k allow you to get to a gating point that you can then go back to investors and say, I need another, you know, half a million or 750, or I can get to profitability and that profitability is enough to bootstrap me to a hundred million. I have actually seen that done before. One of our most successful companies is a company called BBNK. They use Bitcoin and stable coins actually to move money cross-border on behalf of large institutions. They raised maybe 600K in their seed round, which we led, and that's now a multi-billion dollar business. And they didn't even raise money in between. So it, it, it is possible, it's just very rare. And the, 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 the challenge for these companies is just, can you put together a compelling equity and growth story on the, side, the, the amount of money that you're willing to raise? Uh, but to answer your question specifically, TimeChain can invest anywhere from, I would say 100K to 750 and if we can figure out what that compelling story is for that company, then we're happy to support a smaller rounds as well. Cool. So Bitcoin returns versus traditional VC or crypto VC. I know when we started deploying two years ago through Lightning Ventures, through the syndicate and through our pilot fund, it was a very frothy time. Uh, we went through a very frothy time. And in those times, of course, the name of the game is how quick can you grow? Uh, you're in a hyper growth mode. It's Mach 5. <clears throat> and then now, of course, it's defensibility. How can you get to profitability? And everyone's in kind of a defensive mode. When the dust settles after this for people like yourself and, and me and all of everyone that's investing and focusing on Bitcoin startups and these early stage companies, how do you think that those returns will compare with the crypto VCs or even just the generalists, you know, the flying cars and everything else. Do you think that we are investing in and focusing in, in an industry that will be able to hold its own when this all shakes out at the end of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, my expectation is that Bitcoin Venture Capital and the companies building on top of Bitcoin do an order of magnitude better than traditional venture capital. The, the way I the way I see it, the way I guess we all see it in the space is that Bitcoin is re-architecting the world and will infuse itself into every industry. Yeah, at its core, it's just a much more performant monetary platform that the whole the whole economy needs to get rebuilt or re-engineered for. 
and therefore the market size for these companies that really seize the opportunity is enormous. Compared to crypto VC over the medium to long term, I expect Bitcoin venture capital to outperform by you know, an infinite amount. I mean, I, I don't really see what the future for crypto VC is in general, certainly for tokens. You know, maybe a lot of these crypto companies just end up becoming sort of expensive front-end iterations, but they all have to be built on Bitcoin at the end of the day. That's probably, that's probably my sort of base case. And then generalist VC, you know, we have exposure to generalist VC through Concentric, but we're still, you know, pretty active in that space. And I see a lot of stuff in generalist VC. And honestly, I think a lot of, a lot of ideas just seem to be sort of repetitions of stuff that's already been tried and played out before, but has a, a minor improvement. Really, it's not, a lot of this stuff is not making a quantum leap in any given industry. You know, like the marketplace theme has been played out, SaaS theme has been played out, financing for industry X, Y, or Z is, is, is being played out. So there's just little room for iteration and a lot of stuff ends up being quite derivative. Really, I think what people are looking for is that next quantum leap in, in, in venture capital. And I think that's what Bitcoin will deliver. From your mouth to God's ears, buddy. I hope so. So let's talk post-investment. You invest in a company. What happens after the fact? Do you kind of have a, is it a monthly call? Are you waiting for their updates? How involved are you? And this varies for everyone out there. Some, some VCs are, are very active and involved more, especially when the later stages, maybe post series A, when there's a board seat or something else involved, you're kind of, you kind of have to. And then some VCs just kind of cut a check and are more on the reactive approach. Hey, can you give me an intro to so-and-so? Hey, can you help us out with the lead for this next round of financing? And they aren't as kind of proactive or participatory. And uh, it's not that one's good or bad. You know, there's only 24 hours in a day. But kind of post-investment, what, what is your process? Do you look for portfolio symmetry with some of your other companies? Do you have a list of maybe preferred vendors or discount AWS credits or kind of some things? What, what do you do? And is there a process kind of post-investment? Yeah, sure. So I would say generally we try to be very supportive of founders but it's again done on a case-by-case -case basis and all founders and founding teams are different. Some require a little bit more support. Some actually don't need it and will just reach out to you when they need something. Both approaches are fine. It really depends on the founder. So really what we're looking for is to try and establish a productive working relationship with the founder and then we'll adapt to their needs. Some companies, you know, I will, I will talk to the founder every day. We, we invested in a Bitcoin miner and, you know, I'll, I'll chat with him, the founder of that company every few days. Same with, you know, Max at Devify, Julian at Relay. Other companies, maybe they have lead VC on board who's, you know, already very good. And that's the case for many of the companies that we've done, that we've invested in. In which case, you know, we don't need to be quite so actively involved, but we will jump in as and when required. You know, particularly being based out here in Europe and doing a lot of work across Africa and Asia as well. We have a different type of network that we can open up to founders when it becomes relevant. And we just need to know when, when, when it's important for us to get involved. And we just rely on the founders to inform us of that. But I would say there's no sort of set formal process. We try not to be too rigid. We just try to adapt to the founders. You know, really, 
if you think about what advantage a startup has, all it has, the, the only advantage is it's, it's not resources. It's probably not even the idea. It's speed. And we do whatever we can do to help those companies move as fast as possible. And that requires us to be flexible. So that's what we do. And remember, founders, VCs can only do what you will allow. They can only be as engaged as you are. So I know a lot of founders actually don't ask for help. They don't send as many updates as they should. But, you know, engage your cap table because they can certainly do things for you. Okay, so before we do a quick little run through on, on, your, on your portfolio here to date to kind of close this out, how about some, some tips for founders? How about just anything, just anything that you want to leave them with? If they're a young builder working on a project, if they maybe have some traction, anything that comes to mind, you know, as far as how to approach their first $250,000 funding sort of efforts and maybe a couple of best practices, just anything you want to share there. On the first funding round, honestly, I think you're probably the master of that. I think you've done an amazing job over the last couple of years of supporting all these Bitcoin companies and helping to incubate that ecosystem in the US. So I think I'd probably say just talk to you, to be honest. Beyond that, I would say crafting an equity story is, is probably the most, well, it's not the most important thing, obviously building a healthy business is, but just, just trying to get into the minds of, of capital allocators can be quite important and crafting that story. So engage with VCs early, try and get warm intros if you can, get, you know, just soft circle your story with them and see what resonates, see what doesn't and adjust the story if necessary. And also bear in mind that VCs are not the only funding source for your company. There are, there are different ways of funding it as well. And if you embark on that venture capital route, it has expectations and requirements that are not always suitable to your company. So you just have to be very confident that that's the, that's the right approach for you. That's probably what I'd say. And I'm always, I'm always available if anybody wants to reach out and chat. I'm at alex at timechain.concentric.vc or, or on Twitter, as you mentioned. So just... Always happy to have a chat, and I'm sure other Bitcoin VCs in the space are as well. All right, cool. So let's have just a little bit of fun here and uh, and go through some of these names. If it will let me do this thing here. Will it let me do this? There we go. All right, so just for fun, maybe like a, you know, a shortened version of a 25-second summary about, you know, one, two, or all of these just going down the line. Can you, can you just like touch real quickly on maybe what excites you about a couple of these names? Okay. We can, we can maybe do a couple that we invested in together as well and do it together. I mean, the one that you probably knew the least about was, was BBNK. This is a company we invested heard. in. A, yeah. Yeah. It's a company we invested in a couple of years ago. It's an absolute monster. I think it's going to be, well, it's already a phenomenal company. It's it's profitable it's 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 just signed the world's largest gaming and gambling clients and they allow what, what's kind of interesting about this company is that they 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 abstracted away all the complexity of interacting with bitcoin or the stablecoin networks so it does facilitate stablecoin transfers as well and they've got one iron lightning which i'm trying to push them towards but in the meantime it uses bitcoin and stablecoins and they've just done a phenomenal job of scaling over the past few years they've navigated the market extremely well so yeah this is sort of one of the flagship companies of the concentric and time chain portfolio i think well that's really cool i'm gonna have to do some homework on that 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 opportunity never even 
crossed our desk over here. And that's pretty cool. A lot of times those are some of the best deals are those ones. So just a, like... Yeah, yeah. It's a South African company. So it's, 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 I found it when I was sort of traveling around. All right. Do you want to uh, maybe give a couple of a uh, couple of words about a couple of these other things? Just anything. I mean, wh what do you think about Vita and what they're trying to do right now? Well, I, th I think Vita and Sonota have some similarities, which I think are, are pretty compelling and keen to get your thoughts on this as well. I mean, they're essentially using Lightning, but in perhaps more of a applied to a B2B context. What's interesting about these companies is that the founding team has that sort of enterprise institutional grade experience, and they're able to sell into these larger companies. So typically, I think in the mainstream media or the Bitcoin mainstream, we focus a lot on Lightning for retail or consumer payments. But there's also a huge use case for Lightning as institutions try to move money either between institutions or cross-border and with this ability to settle in real time. And both Vida and Sonota apply that use case, but to the telecoms and energy sector in particular. I know Vida also have a sort of consumer product as well that they're very excited by, but they also have this B2B product, which is, which is very compelling. I don't know if you'd agree with that. Oh, completely. You know, it's, I'm upset that we didn't get a chance that we, we were very early with conversations with Sonoda, but we ended up not being able to participate in that round, but very bullish on them in the energy sector. But you're right. There's a lot of synergies between what they're doing just in, in different industries and solving the settlement risk is something that Vita has identified with some regional telecommunications providers in Latin America. And once you dig into each of these industries, you find out how many vulnerabilities there are, how much risk there is, and how many terrible inefficiencies there are with whether it's power and getting paid or telecommunications in the case of Vita or probably medical billing might be next. That would be, that would be a good one. Yeah. So Vita's consumer product, which is great. I am actually due to catch up with Lyle Pratt. I'm going to Austin tomorrow. I'm sure I'll see him there. It, it mentions nothing about that, which is really the billion dollar return the fund, as we were saying, opportunity for Vita. It's not necessarily hosting the live rooms and the, the Zoom alternative and streaming sats and podcasting and all those fun things, which are really, really cool and slick and work beautifully. It, it is kind of the, the telecommunications play, which is mentioned nowhere on their website. You actually wouldn't, wouldn't even know. So definitely excited about both of those. Relay we talked about, right? Julian's an all-star. Now, did you just invest in this most recent round or were you in, there was a small extension note prior to that? I was, we were involved in the most recent round. Very cool. As well as Galloy, right? Their most recent round? Correct. Their most recent round as well, yeah. Very cool. So let me ask you, Bolt Observer, ever since I ever since you made this investment and when, when we first started for first started chatting, this one always always kind of stood out in my head. Can you talk about some of your thesis here about this? I mean, technically the team, everything amazing, but how exactly does this fulfill the return the fund thesis and the unicorn, decacorn, whatever you want to call it. How, how does this do it? Yeah, I think this 
business. Well, firstly, Alias is the, the founder and CEO is unbelievably talented. He's been building lightning infrastructure for at least four or five years now and knows the space inside out. And so really it was a bet on his ability to build something valuable with his unparalleled knowledge in the space. And if the lightning is to scale as we assume it will, based on the just overly performant nature of the network compared to other payments networks, then there'll be something in the space that's built worthwhile and we backed Alias to build it. So, you know, venture is perhaps more art than science. And sometimes you have to take bets on people. You know, often, often I would actually call it more of a talent game than anything else. The number of times we've backed great founding teams who have an initial idea and they're getting initial traction, but then decide they have to pivot into something else or, or, or adjust their approach significantly in order to capture a bigger market opportunity, which ends up being really successful is as numerous. And when we find those sort of talented people, then we're more than happy to, to back them at a very early stage. That's what we did with Bolt. Yeah, I love this, by the way. If you're a nerd, if you're a Bitcoin nerd and you've never been on this page right here, this is by far amazing. I mean, this is a rabbit hole of a click vortex of things that you can discover. And even people like Alexander and myself who spend all of our waking conscious hours in this world, I still come here and see things that, that I've never seen before. So that's really cool. And that's lightninglandscape.net. All right, cool, man. Well, listen, I think we went through a bunch of this stuff here. Let's go ahead and chat real quick about your travel schedule, where you'll be in real life through the second half or the last quarter here of 2023, and where might people see you? Sure, I'll be at Riga for Baltic Honey Badger. So if anybody sees me there and wants to chat, please do come up. Same for Pacific Bitcoin. I don't know the West Coast Bitcoin is quite so well, so it'd be cool to meet some of those people. Then I am going to do Bitcoin Bangalore, which is a small conference happening over there, and then the one in Bali as well. So that'll be, that'll be the rest of the year. Wow. Okay. So that's action-packed. Well, I'll see you in Riga. We had a, a last-minute last minute trip. We're going to try and pull off one of those Satoshi Rakamoto's. Should be fun. So I'll see you there. That's coming up week after this, I think. And I'll see you for Corey's big show out in California too. Bangalore. That's, that's a hike, man. That sounds like a lot of fun. And then Bali should also be fun. But if yeah. you have some time in early December, I'd try to get you to Unconfiscatable in Las Vegas. And if not this year, next year, the El Salvador conference is really good. Did you end up attending that last year? I read that last year. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I just, I couldn't make time for it this year. And I, I'm British Indian. So I wanted to just get over to India and see what's going on in the Bitcoin space over there. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievably huge market. I don't know, it's one and a half billion people now at least and growing faster than China and very technologically savvy. They have an affinity to gold. You would have thought that um, Bitcoin would be quite attractive in that country. Also some currency, a little bit of currency instability. So yeah, it's it's got it's got the it's got the ingredients you'd need to make a huge dent in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So anything we can do to encourage that, I'd like for us to be able to do. All right, cool, and that'll do it for our first episode 
of the Bitcoin VC landscape hanging out here with Alexander Mann. Once again, that's timechain.concentric.vc. I'm sure you can find him on there. And if you have a bunch of money and you want to invest in the next generation of Bitcoin startups, builders, entrepreneurs, you could take a bunch of your fiat and you could actually give it to Alexander to go ahead and deploy it on your behalf. So that is something you can do. And if you're looking to raise funds, catch him at one of those conferences or shoot him an email or the contact on the website. Always good to get a, a warm introduction if you are friendly with a, one of the founders of a company he's already invested in. That is always a better route. But thanks for coming on and hanging out today. Really appreciate it.